0: an invitation to somebody, reach out into their world, hang a door hanger, and just see what God does in that arena. Uh, Brian's got a long, longer story to tell. It's just exciting to see what God has done since saving him. And that's the story God's interested in telling for us as well. Uh, before I get into the word, I want to introduce a couple that's here visiting with us this weekend. Uh, Jason and Judith Ann Stubblefield. Where are you guys at? Stand up, guys, so we can greet you. That's just Jason. The Jason, uh, his wife is caring for two little girls at this point. Jason and Judith Ann are up at the uh, Sovereign Grace... Par- oh, there she is back there in the back. Hi, Judith Ann, with your little bitty Miss Vivian. Uh, they are up at the Sovereign Grace Ministries Pastors College in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And uh, they were sent there by the church in Miami, but we've been relating to these guys for a while and trying to discern what future they may have here because these these are sons and daughters of the South, and you know Miami is not quite a southern city if you've been there lately. Uh, But they are there. He's from Jackson, and his wife is from Alabama. So these are these are folks that are in our neighborhood. All right, I shouldn't have said Alabama, Judith. Judith Ann is a great gal in spite of being from Alabama. Okay, she really is. All the time that we've spent with her, she's, uh, her family is a Crimson Tide fan, however, but uh, in spite of that, we're, we're praying, I want to ask you guys to be praying for us, be praying for this couple as they have taken steps by faith to pursue God's leading, uh, to be involved in ministry, to sense a call from God, to go to the pastor's college and to just open their hearts to however God may be leading them in the future and Uh, These are guys who have taken steps of faith to be where they are, and they're continuing just to walk by faith. And we want God to lead them. We want to be led by the Spirit of God in terms of whether there's a future for them here to be a part of what God's doing here in New Orleans in our church. So in the days ahead, please remember to pray for us in that regard. Well, this morning, let me put up my familiar uh, radio dial graphic here. This morning we are coming to, I don't want to say the end of this series, but... uh, because Actually, I think this year God's wanting to do some things in restoring our receptivity to the things of the Spirit. Right? I want to put the emphasis there. I don't think this series was intended by God to introduce us to things of the Spirit. I think we pretty much knew a lot of what we've covered. I think the disconnect and what God is interested in is us receiving and benefiting from and connecting with the Spirit. Not just being aware of the Spirit, but, but connecting with the life of the Spirit in our midst. And so we are, uh, I think if I'm counting correctly, we're in week number 13 on this series that we began uh, back, well, I guess back in October when we began the end of the month of October. And, you know, I'm always curious as, you know, I'm, uh, we've taken too long in some of these series. I came across a, a quote from a, a man who was a pastor before megachurches were megachurches. W.A. Chriswell was a Baptist pastor in Dallas, Texas. And he had a mega church before there were things called megachurches. And he was writing books. He's still a pretty well-published uh, man. And I came across a thought from him from one of his messages. And he said this. He said, this series on the Holy Spirit, each message is being written out and published. And the book will be out in January. Okay, And he's saying this in February of 1966. By the grace of God, if I get through preaching on the Holy Spirit before then, right? It's February, and he's already been into this series for a while. He said, what was planned to be a 10 messages on the Holy Spirit has already grown into 30. <laughs> and he's hoping to be done for January of the next year. And I don't know what the future will hold, but I've never had any study in my life that ever blessed my heart and answered so many questions as I have found in this intensive study in preparation for these messages. And so I know I've been hearing great feedback from so many of you guys who have been affected by the Spirit of God and realities of the Spirit, the nearness of the Spirit. So I'm, I'm grateful for what God has been doing. Don't believe that we're done uh, learning to be in step with the Spirit, learning to tune in to the Spirit, to connect with what the Holy Spirit wants to give to us. So we're going to continue to visit this series really throughout the coming year. I don't... I don't believe we'll ever depart from uh, a decent amount of emphasis on the ministry of the spirit in the local church. You just can't. Uh, Well, we've kind of slid down our radio dial. We're all the way to the right now. And and we're going to talk this morning about leadership gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to be able to see those things together. And I want us to be able to see them biblically together. Because for some reason in the charismatic world, and if you've been in the charismatic world for a while, there is a, a, an undercurrent, almost a, a hostility, an antithesis between leadership in the church and the move of the Spirit. You know, it's almost like this idea that, you know, some churches are led by men, some churches are led by the Spirit. And there's these sounding words that come out of our mouth and they, they sound like they're right. You know, brother, you just need to get out of the way. Get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I love that passion. I love the passion of being able to say there is more of the Spirit. We want the Spirit to access our lives. We want to connect with and receive from. What I don't like is an unbiblical thought that human leadership and the ministry of the Spirit are somehow in opposition to one another, that they somehow are, are two different things that are happening. Right? If, if we just look at this list here, two things to, to hold in mind. Most of experiencing the Spirit in our midst involves some form of human agency. Right? So it's it would be wrong for us to ever completely detach the ministry of the Spirit from human agency. When the Spirit shows up at the doorsteps of your life, He has attached Himself to human agency. And so what you're encountering is the Spirit connected to human agency. So the idea that we just, we just need to let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do. Okay, I'm with you on that. I agree. But when somebody feels like they've got a prophetic word, somebody feels like they've got a word, Uh, you do understand that the moment you feel like you have a word from God, you understand that's human agency, right? You made an assessment. You were sitting in church. You got this impression. You made a call. I think that impression needs to be shared. I'm going to go up, and now the way we do it here, because the building's big and we need to be able to be heard, and what we're going to share today, we believe in the gift of leadership as well. So you're going to walk up and you're going you're to talk to a leader who's standing next to this microphone. Now, and, and, you know, this is what I've encountered through the years in that arena is somehow that can be viewed as quenching the spirit because you just kind of injected human agency into this thing, right? But well, you do realize before you got up out of your seat, human agency was already injected, right? You were the human agency. You were making a call. You got an impression, all right? Here's, here's the questions I have for you when you get the impression. This is not to discourage gifts. We want you to respond. But is that a word for you or is a word for all 700 people here? Is that a word for your covenant group? Is that a word for this morning? Is that a word for a month from now? Right, so, so human agency is going to get involved with the move of the spirit. You know, let's just, let's pray for the sick. Brother, we just need to pray for the sick and just see God do miracles in our midst. Okay, I'm with you. I like that. But there's human agency in that. Do we do that this morning? Do we shut down everything else and, quote, let the spirit move? Because somebody had an impulse that that's what we should be doing. I've got a burden to pray for the sick. And you just need to let the Holy Spirit move. All right, I'm with you. I want to see the Holy Spirit move too. But do you understand? The spirit moves through human agency. So it's not just when leaders get involved with the ministry of the Holy Spirit that human agency is involved. Almost everything that's up on that board is going to touch human agency before it touches the church. And so it's not a, it's not a correct view to say there's the, there's the ministry of the Holy Spirit and then there's, you know, being led by men. Uh, that's not how God designed it. When I read the Bible, I find leadership is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit. It operates intentionally through people. God created these structures for his spirit to operate in the church. So I encountered the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19 bumping into some disciples. Remember we looked at these verses. And his first question to them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, right? First order of business for believers. Is the Holy Spirit operating in your life? Are you aware of the ministry of the spirit in your life? Now, but before we even get to Acts chapter 19, maybe maybe that was Paul's first question. Maybe when he encountered disciples, that's the first thing he wanted to know. What's the Holy Spirit doing in your life? Well, right up there next to the first thing was for Paul, when he established churches, his first order of business was to appoint leaders. He appointed elders in every church where the ministry of the Spirit was taking place. So he didn't see these as against one another. He saw them as related to each other. The ministry of the Spirit and the ministry gifts of leaders is together in God how he affects the church. And so I want us to look carefully at this today. When when we get to, you know, beyond Paul 1 Peter chapter 5 and the admonition given to leaders is to shepherd the flock of God among you. Right? These shepherds, they're pastors, it's the same word in the New Testament. You're to shepherd the flock of God. But that's, that's not a new concept. It's not like Peter is coming in touch with this idea and he's going to inform the church. i got this great idea. There's going to be this thing called shepherds. Uh, Peter, that's nothing new, man. God's been shepherding his people through people all along. Man, here's a thought from Terry Virgo's book, The Spirit-Filled Church. I've enjoyed that book tremendously. He says, although the Lord was their ultimate shepherd, men were enlisted to fulfill the shepherding role on his behalf. Psalm 7720 records, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses, right? Who was leading the people of God? God was leading the people of God through human agency. So God was leading. There was a move of the spirit of God. There was direction. There was power from God. And then there was a human being. That was fronting that and touching people's lives with it. Moses was the extension of God's rule, the agent of his provision. Later, Moses is replaced by David, whom we're told God took from the sheepfolds, from the care of the ewes and sucking lambs, and brought to shepherd Jacob his people. So when we get to the New Testament, we we bump into these things called shepherds. This is not a new idea. It's, It's God's idea. God's always led his people using human agency. But I want to take it a little farther as we study the New Testament we learn some things there that it's one thing to recognize that there are human beings involved in leading God's human beings. It's one thing to recognize that. It's another thing to recognize that God is uniquely by the Holy Spirit at work in and through human beings to lead his people. And that's what we're discussing as we talk about this ministry of the Spirit, the church is a supernatural setting. The church has access to uh, unseen realities and sources of power in our lives that don't find their source in human beings. It's found in God by the Spirit, mysteriously put in us. We call these gifts of the Spirit. So whether they're leadership gifts or whether they're just gifts as we saw a week or two ago, Gifts intended to build up the body, they are an ability by the spirit deposited in a human container and then spilling out onto others. That's what gifts are. So the gift of leadership is that way as well. But let me walk you through this thought here from Terry Virgo. Um, Interesting to consider the function and role of, of the pastor, right, through church history. That role has been defined and affected quite a bit by current trends and ideas. And let me just walk you through a few of them. He's got a good insight here. He says, historically, the role of the pastor has often reflected current trends. And I'd say current trends rather than biblical insights sometimes. Prior to the Reformation, for instance, he was regarded as a priest, holy, separate, somewhat other, and mystical in his celibacy. A mediator between the people and their god. The reformation shed fresh light, biblical light, right, on the unique mediatorial work of Christ and established the truth of the priesthood of all believers, who need no go between but have personal direct access to God through the work of Christ and the spirit, right? This is this is formative huge historically impacting for the church, at some point the church realized we had parted from the biblical truth that because of the work of Christ, the wall that separated all of humanity from this perfect God has been broken down and whoever now comes through Christ, each person now has access to God directly. You no longer need another person to go there on your behalf. That person is Jesus Christ, and he has broken down the dividing wall once and for all. And you, every one of us, now have access to God. So this is what the Reformation brought back to the church in awareness, that you don't need a go-between. I'm not a go-between for you today. You don't come to God through me. I don't have some access to God, and you've got some waiting room parking lot experience. You can pull up to the building, but you can't go in. I'll meet you in the parking lot, but I'm going to go in on your behalf. That's not biblical Christianity. You go into the building yourself. All right, but that doesn't mean you don't need pastors in your life. Right? Protestant hyperism, I think, has gone in the other direction. It's going like, hey, I got access to God. I don't need anybody. Really, that long list of gifts tells me you do, and I do. I need gifted people around me to affect me the way God called them to do that. Let's keep reading here. He says, post-Reformation, in the course of time, the Christian minister began to take his place in the developing culture and was often seen as a respected public figure, in a similar fashion in the local as a local doctor or squire. With the challenge of the Enlightenment, ministers began to feel a need for further academic qualification to prove their worth. And the compare and the comparatively modern theological training college was introduced. Intellect was trained in these specialist settings. The emergence of biblical criticism, right, a little later in history, seemed to require further scholarship among pastors so that they could withstand the developing, undermining trends of liberal scholars. More recently, with the advent of psychology and therapy, the modern pastor has often felt the need to develop skills to discern the diverse stresses and strains of the members of his congregation. And he aims to gain insights into their temperamental strengths and weaknesses. To bring us right up to date in our current consumer-driven society, pastors increasingly feel the need to develop management expertise, research and discern the market, project graphs, establish their five-year growth plans, and reflect the sophistication of a CEO. If you are a pastoral elder, I wonder how you view your gift and calling. I know we are affected by the way our society thinks and how it approaches subjects. Some of us, I mean, honestly, some of us spend more time in touch with our culture than we spend in touch with the Bible. So culturally, there are some views about what a pastor is. Right? Whether you go back through history and you find out a pastor is a public figure, a pastor needs to be an intellectual, the pastor needs to be a scholar, the pastor needs to be a therapist, the pastor needs to be a manager. So those are the things that would be out there, but but what's not being asked in that equation is: Does the pastor need to be uniquely called and gifted by God, or does he just need to be this? Have we given? And I'm not saying it's wrong for a pastor to have any of those, to have intellectual abilities and scholarly abilities and uh, abilities to manage things and lead things and to delve into people's uh, behavior issues. But, but that's not where you start. The Bible doesn't start with defining shepherds out of those things. The Bible starts with defining shepherds out of a calling from God and a unique ability given by the Holy Spirit to that person that will then equip them to have an impact. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in human beings. Now let's walk through a few verses here. Get our bearings from Scripture. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Apostle Paul says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders when he calls them to himself. So he is, he's telling the leaders in the church, those who are called by God, he says, pay careful attention. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The church didn't make you an overseer. Human beings aren't responsible for making you what you are. The Holy Spirit is responsible for that. To take care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, that's what Paul is saying to your garden variety elders who are leading churches. We get a little bit more detail if we were to explore Paul's relationship to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. He says, for this reason, speaking to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Right, Timothy, you are called to be a pastor to this church. He's in Ephesus. To be a pastor to these folks. Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you, that you received when we laid our hands on you. And the Holy Spirit came upon you to give you abilities to care for God's people uniquely in this role. And so that's how the Spirit of God was operating. And this is consistent with what we see about the the other teachings of the Bible about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts... But the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And now in verse 11, it says, All these, all these gifts listed in this particular context, are empowered by one and the same Spirit. All these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit. They find their enablement. They find their ability from a source in the Spirit. So the Spirit, the same Spirit who operates in us to give prophetic words, to give gifts of healing, to accomplish something that the natural man can't bring to the situation, but that the Holy Spirit can bring through that person to the situation. That Spirit is enabling some kind of effect upon the church Through the gifts of pastors and through the gifts of leaders in the church. He says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as He wills. And God has appointed, down in verse 28 of that chapter, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, right? God has appointed. And so what's you know critical here is in identifying gifts. We we don't create these gifts, we just discover them. The Holy Spirit's at work, He's distributing gifts as He will. He gives to you what He will, He gives to someone else what He will. And and so I think in some ways that's that's very liberating for us. It's very helpful for us. It helps us to bump into other people who have abilities that are different than ours. And, and if, I'm, if I'm functioning in relation to God correctly, I'm not trying to compete with that person because I'm recognizing God's doing something in that person that he chose to, to give them an ability to do. And, and I'm not just staring at some innate ability on their behalf that, wow, you know, they've, they've really applied themselves or they were raised a certain way or their schooling or their determination has made them what they are. I mean, if I would just... If I would just try the way they've tried, then I would be that. And Well, no, that's not according to Scripture. Scriptures say that God has individually apportioned as, as he chose to do. And he did that so the body could function with diversity, so that we're not all doing exactly the same thing, and that's by God's design. So, you know, important thing, I think just important for you to, to be aware as, as, as we're seeking to identify leadership gifts that our role is not to create leadership gifts. It is to identify the gifts that God has given. So as you pray for us, right, as you're praying through guys like Jason who are going through a process of, of developing and growing, sort of fanning into flame as Timothy was, the gift that God has given. Uh, and leaders are walking with guys like that. Well, our desire is to discover what God is doing. We, we can't invent what God is doing. We don't disperse the gifts. The Holy Spirit does. And we just want to find out where they are. Right? We want to look throughout the people of God and discover where they are. And Paul said some things about his ministry, and I think this is very helpful. If you just were to track this thought through Romans, you'd bump into it, and it's, it will sound this way. From the beginning, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus... Called to be an apostle, right? How did Paul become an apostle? Well, he was called. He was he was selected by the Holy Spirit. He was given apostolic gifting by the Spirit. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And a little bit, just a few verses later, he says, "Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship." All right? I want you to see the association of grace. With the gift of apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. And so Paul recognized he was called by God to be an apostle. He had received grace to do what he was doing. What were you doing, Paul? I'm bringing about the obedience of the Gentiles to the gospel. God has given me some strange ability to be able to go into the Gentile world with the gospel. The Spirit of God is going with me. The Spirit of God is in me. And people are becoming obedient to this message. How is that happening? By the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you and I are standing here today talking about the Apostle Paul all these years later, we use his name a lot. We recognize things about him. We need to be very, very careful that the Apostle Paul was Joe nobody who didn't have the ability to do any of what he saw happen until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And then he saw it happen in the most bizarre and amazing and world-changing ways. Right? Let's be careful that when we're talking about the, the Apostle Paul, We don't overlook the fact that, no, we're talking about the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. God choosing to operate through this man in these ways. Right now, you hear this language. He's going to pick it up again, Romans 12, verse 3. He says, for by the grace given to me. Right, I, I think that's kind of a little bit of a challenge to interpret. I mean, just, is this just saving grace? Is this just God's hand of favor upon you, Paul? But he keeps using that terminology that there's this unique grace given to me. I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Right? So Paul had received an assignment of faith. Paul had received an assignment of gifting and ability, and he actually highlights that. If you go back and read Romans 12 right here, he's going to talk about there's these variety of gifts, and each one of us must use our gifts according to the faith that God has given us. Well, Paul's faith was to be an apostle. Paul's calling and gifting was to be an apostle, go to the Gentiles, and turn the world upside down with this gift. And listen to what he says a little bit later. Romans 15. He continues to bring these thoughts up. Verse 15. He says, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus. You understand, I don't think this is just everybody's got favor from God. I think think there was something unique on the Apostle Paul that God had given to him. Ephesians, he's going to highlight that again in chapter 3. So uniquely God has assigned grace to this man. And if you're on the receiving end of that grace, if you're these Gentiles in these nations, wow, this grace from God has come to you packaged in this little Jewish man. And he's preaching to you and he's sharing things with you, but there's something else going on here. There's something unseen going on here. This man is being accompanied by something incredible, different, unusual, and it's resulting in what he writes about in chapter 15. obedience to bring the gentiles to obedience right did you remember this that little phrase earlier he says i've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith paul had received some kind of grace from god some spirit enabled ability from god to see people come into obedience to god that was part of his ministry so so this is a man who is empowered by the spirit enabled by the Spirit, and accompanied by the Spirit. So that when he steps into a setting and begins to minister, there's a whole lot more going on there than just a guy with some clever sayings and some winsome personality and some good ideas. No, there's something of the Holy Spirit present there uniquely. That's why Paul can keep saying, now, I've got this thing from God. God's given me this thing. It's, it's a unique gifting. Right? That's That's a leader. Accompanied by the Spirit, it's the gifting of the Holy Spirit operating in his life. Now, now, let me highlight something. I think it's very important for us to see. In the same way in which as, as that gifting was operating in the Apostle Paul, into these Gentiles, if you will, that leadership gift in Paul was a, was a conduit of grace. Right? It was. It was a. Like, like these air conditioning duck work around here, right you and I are on the receiving end of something that's traveled through something to get to us, and we've received the grace of air conditioning right we're, we're thankful for the effect on us, but you know the air conditioner's not in this room, right the air conditioner's outside this room, but the grace in that air conditioner traveled through conduits and then spilled out on us right I think that leadership gifts as we see them in scripture are conduits of grace. Look in Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Turn there in your Bible. I didn't write this one out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And if you jump down to verse 11, you find out what those gifts are that he's referring to here. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or the pastors, and teachers. When Christ ascended on high... He gave gifts to men. Now, there's a unique little phrase here. And I, I don't think it's, it's absolutely clear which direction it goes in. Grace was given to each one of us. Grace was given to each one of us. And he's speaking to a, the church in Ephesus. So grace has been given to each one of us. Now, when Paul uses some of that language elsewhere, he uses it to connect it to the fact that every one of us receives spiritual gifts. Everybody does. Everybody does it's important that we discover what those gifts are, how the Holy Spirit wants to operate through each one of us. But in this context, he seems to be making a case more for these gifts that are are mentioned in verse 11. Grace has been given to each one of us. I'd make a case that grace has been given to each one of us through these gifts. That's how each one of us receives Because not each one of us are given the gift of being an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Not each one of us are given that. But grace comes through those so that each one of us receives grace. You know, One commentator said, this grace is equipping rather than saving grace that Paul describes. Charis, the word for grace here, is not equated with charisma, grace, gift, but denotes the grace provided for and manifested in the gift. The distribution of grace. And so the distribution of grace gifts is in Christ's own hands and apportioned as he decides. Right? I think what God had in mind in the gift of leadership, this charisma of leadership, and it's interesting, you know, we, we, we butchered that terminology, right? If I, used, if I were to say that he's a very charismatic leader, if I use that word that way, where would you go with that? Right? you you, you kind of focus in on his personality, he's persuasive, he's winsome, he's funny, he draws a crowd, right? I mean, actually, the word for charismatic today defined in our language is possessing great powers of charm or influence. So he's a guy standing in front of an audience and just kind of win you over and be influential because he's just winsome. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't be the case for the, those whom God uses, but you understand when you come to the Bible charismatic leader, it's not what the Bible was having in mind. Not that it's opposed to that, but it's not trying to draw your attention to, that dude's unique. That guy dances and sings like nobody else does. You know, when he tells jokes, I just want to believe whatever he says next. No, he's not trying to draw your attention to him. It's trying to draw your attention to the one who gives the gifts. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. The source of charismatic leadership is the ascended Christ himself. So your attention, when you talk about charismatic leader, it needs to go to Christ. Otherwise, you're going to locate leadership in a human being and not in God. And guess what that's going to let you do? It's going to let you put men in a position that they shouldn't be in in your own life. You're going to elevate them in a way that they shouldn't be elevated. And then it's going to give you permission to de-elevate them however you feel. Because they're just men. Who the heck does he think he is? You can't. You're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to, I'm a grown man for goodness sake. right? If you're just looking at leadership at a human level, that's what you're going to bump into. But but what if leadership is a gift of the ascended Christ, that his, his means of distributing grace into the church was through gifted leaders that he put in place, right? To me, it's almost like God installing a sprinkler system in the church, right? He through these hoses is going to come water supply, and he's going, to, he's going to stick a sprinkler right here, and he's going to, over here, he's going to stick another sprinkler over here, and he's going to put another one down over here, and then he's going to turn on a flood of grace, and next thing you know, into the church, you know, people are getting wet, man. People are experiencing grace in their lives as a result of how God chose to do it. Now, listen, if this is accurate, and I think it's very accurate, it messes with our Americanized stay-at-home, shop online, God will find me. I'm a person. He just told me. I don't need it. I, there's no go-betweens. It's just me and God. So I had this charismatic relationship, just me and God. And, hey, if God wants to dump grace on my life, he knows where I am. He can come find me. Well, you are a nasty American. That's who you are. But, you, but you're not a biblical Christian. Well, when I read this, I find out God installed sprinkler systems. God's grace travels through conduits. Now, let me say this. I don't believe every ounce of God's grace travels through conduits. I believe there's a lot of things that God does that he just does you and him. A lot of things that God does in your life. You and him. Holy Spirit and you. But if, if I pulled up all the gifts of the spirit you would come freshly in contact with human agency all over the place you want to you want to receive a prophetic word well you might need some human lips near you you want to receive the grace that comes from gifts of healing well you might need somebody's hands on you to impart that grace into your life why well, i don't like people and i don't like to get around them and you know, I don't know what to tell you. You're going to be missing out on grace. Well, no, no, that's not the kind of God that I believe. I believe in a God of grace. Yeah, a God of grace. He put them. <laughs> there's grace all over the place. Go, get, go stand next to a sprinkler. Get some grace from God. And those, that grace comes in these passages as apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And God is dispensing his grace into our lives. As we receive, as we tune in to the Spirit and receive from Him. Right? And just, you can read the next passages there. I won't go into the details. But these gifts do what in verse 12? They equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. If you just kind of just started to grab, What what kind of accomplishments are, are in this grace? Well, I see maturity there. I see strengthening. I see mission. I see a vision for service. I see an equipping with abilities for people to become in the kingdom of God, what God's called them to be. Listen, you might not put the value on that that you should. But every one of us in this room wants to find something to do with our lives that matters. And nobody's sitting here today just longing for nothingness. I just want to be nothing accomplished. I want to be able to look back on my life and wonder, what the heck did I do? You know, there's not a person in this room who wants to do that. And so here God is moving his kingdom into this realm of darkness, and he's restoring people to himself. And he has a means through which he does that, and it's the church does that through the church and then as we learn the strategy by the way we learn this through the gift of apostles who's written the word of god down here for us and we learn that god wants to use gifts and he wants to give unique abilities to everybody in here so that the kingdom of god can advance in the people's worlds and and their lives can be changed and affected by that and if you're giving your life to that call if you've discovered god wants to use you uniquely in those kinds of arenas well, then part of you is gonna become devoted to that cause. Your time, your energy, what you get jazzed about, what you're looking forward to, what's coming up in the kingdom of God, that begins to capture you. And all of a sudden, your life feels like it's got meaning, it's making sense. What is that? Well, it's the effect of you got around leaders who God dispensed grace into your life and convinced you about things concerning the kingdom of God and your place in it. And that caught fire in your heart. And you begin to give your life to that. Next thing you know, you don't want to have time for that. And you're not sitting around gazing at your navel. You're not comparing yourself to everybody on Facebook. Like you've got a real life, right? Because you're part of the kingdom of God. Where did that come from? It was dispensed through somebody standing in a pulpit, like right now today, introducing some ideas. There's some people right now in this room that are going, I've, I've never thought about my life that way. Do you understand the Holy Spirit intended to meet you today by causing those words to be said into your ears and then giving you an ability to think about your life that way? This is not just some dude standing in front of a bunch of other dudes making some word noise. This is a ministry of the Spirit of God taking place right now in this room. Grace is being dispensed by God into your life. Now Let me just give us some... Maybe tips here on, on how, how does one posture themselves to receive, right? Well, one of the things we want to do is we dial down this dial and look at all the ways in which the Holy Spirit manifests his life to us. How do we dial down the dial here and, and tune in to where we're receiving from the Holy Spirit in this area of ministry? Well, a couple of quick things. First would be the, the, an attitude of humility. Is there humility in your own heart that opens your life to receive these gifts from God. And 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1 says, "I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight." Right there. So there's the Apostle Peter is telling leaders, "Shepherd the flock of God." Poimano, it's it's the same word that's used in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Pastor The flock. All right, now, do you understand the implication here? Is if leaders are being told to pastor the flock, then the flock is being told to do what? Receive that ministry. Receive pastoring into your life. Receive the impact of the Holy Spirit's ministry through human agency in the form of pastors. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. As God as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, and it's interesting where this next statement needs to go. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Listen, it it, it takes humility to receive from another human being. It's one thing to climb into my prayer closet with my Bible and get a revelation from God that convicts me, that splits my world open, that tells me I'm wrong. Right? Hey, God, you can do that. But you let some human being try to do that in my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond, well, who do you think you are? Oh, like you got it all together. I just saw you last week, clown, you know, that something comes out of us. Like this pride thing rises up, and that's why the Bible has got to turn around and say, hey, you want to receive from this gift? It's going to be wrapped in another human being. And the only way you're going to receive that is if if you're humble. Right? To be charismatic here means receiving the gifts of God. This is a gift that God gives. Right? So if I'm going to be humble, I'm going to have to recognize a couple things. One, I'm going to need to, to recognize I have a need. Right, you here this morning recognizing you, you're not just here, you needed to be here. According to the working of God, I mean, no matter how well together you are, no matter how successful things are going in your life, you need the gifts of God to operate in your life. You need them. You're not adequate without them. That's humbling, isn't it? And you're going to need to receive from some, you know, kind of really worn out, dilapidated, half-functioning sprinkler heads sometimes, right? I don't know how yours are, but mine get run over by the car, played with by my kids, eaten by the dog. And so when I go to put them in place, they, they kind of do that. They don't go, they got to go, and then they don't return. They spray the garden in one direction. It's like you kick it and it goes, Sounds on the street all right, well that's pastoral ministry. Welcome to the church <laughs> and you know it 's not as though God is saying, you know, I only operate through these perfectly functioning sprinklers. Uh, no, no, I wish that were the case. I really do I, I wish I wish that we served you guys better than we do. I wish that we dispensed grace in a uh, systematically awesome way that we knew and had confidence at the end of every week that Every person who needed to receive grace received just the right grace in just the right moment. We weren't late. We didn't forget to turn on the sprinkler. We we were just there in perfect ways. But that's not God. God chose, and you read the history of leaders, God chose sprinklers that break, sprinklers that forget to come on, you know, sprinklers that have got issues. And yet, if you're going to receive, those are the sprinklers you're going to be receiving from. And there's going to have to be some humility to ever receive from people like that. And so humility be one thing. Uh, how do we receive or tune in? Second, contact and exposure. If you want to get wet, you're going to have to get around the sprinkler. If you want to receive the grace that's being dispensed through these gifts, you're going to have to get around those gifts. You're going to have to get around the places where God is operating in that way into people's lives. Which means if there's grace available for the church through the gifts of leadership, well then, listen, you, you cannot, if you appreciate the grace of God, you cannot be one of those Christians who nominally is involved in a church. Because quite honestly, when I look at the gift of leadership, I, I think I can say this accurately, I don't find it operating outside of the church. So God has grace for you as you walk through your life, as you try to figure out how to put on Christ, how to deal with the issues of your soul, how to make changes in your life, how to deal with conflicts and people. God has grace for you through leaders. I'm amazed sometimes at the unbiblicalness of I want to go find leaders outside the body of Christ. I want to go find leaders outside the church. I tell some of these folks as I bump into them, you know, I I'm not, I'm not be a very good version of what I find in the Bible, but I find me in the Bible. You know, I find dudes like Timothy and Epaphras, I, I'm in there. Keith's not in there, but dudes that function in this world, they're in here. I can't find you in the Bible. What you doing, man? Leading the body of Christ, leading people in the body of Christ. So be very careful that we don't let the modern world reinvent our systems of caring for our souls. God has grace. In the house of God, through the leadership that He's given, that will affect your soul. Yeah, but man, the sprinklers in my church, man, they just—they're slow. They don't shoot water out very far. Right, I get it. Get closer to them. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> Stand more near them. You know, take off a layer of clothes. Get a little wetter. I don't know. But that's God's choice to use, and you're going to have to have an encounter. With that gift to receive the grace that God intended you to receive. Um, how about this? Tune in to the right frequency. What does it sound like when you engage the gift of leadership? Well, most of the gift of leadership in the New Testament is verbal gifting. It's, it's communication gifting. It is God's grace traveling through words, ideas that come bouncing into your soul. And uniquely, they become more than just words. By the Holy Spirit, they're not just you and I reading the New York Times. They are God using words into our souls in unique ways. Like, Look at this thought again from Terry Virgo. He says, it is vital that we do not simply impose new rules and regulations, but bring God's people a new stance of grace and faith. This requires spirit-inspired and empowered preaching and teaching that calls for and inspires a response in the hearers. Holy Spirit preaching brings about an encounter with God that demands a verdict and produces a changed life based on revelation, faith, and love. Not cold obedience to external rules. God's flock will intuitively hear his voice and respond as truth is fed to them by called and anointed pastors and teachers. Gradually, a culture of God-centeredness will emerge characterized by worship, faith, grace, mercy, respect, service, and the awareness of being an alien people whose fundamental citizenship lies elsewhere. Right, can I just pick up on some things that, that Terry's saying here? Up, up, up top of that quote, spirit... Inspired and empowered preaching. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. They're empowered by God. We saw that in 1 Corinthians. Spirit-empowered preaching and teaching that calls for and inspires a response in the hearers. Right? What, what, what does that mean? Well, It means that, that just like when the apostle Paul was given a gift of leadership to go to the Gentiles to win their obedience to the gospel. These darkened individuals who were, according to the doctrine of depravity, had no hope of responding to the gospel. But yet when the gospel was preached through those whom God had called to preach the gospel, something not only was happening in the person speaking those words, but those words were finding something inside of these dead individuals that leapt to embrace it in that moment. And suddenly the gospel made sense and it touched their life and it brought about convictions and they had new desires. And I want to be in agreement with that. I want to obey what God is saying. What was that? It's God's inspired preaching into their souls. This is, this is not just human beings exchanging information. God has made it something different than that. John Stott says, all of us who are Christian preachers are finite Fallen, frail, and fallible creatures in biblical language, pots of earthenware or jars of clay. The power belongs to Christ and is exerted through his spirit. The words we speak in human weakness, the Holy Spirit carries them home. By his power, to the mind, to the heart, to the conscience, and the will of the hearers. I've heard it said that as Spurgeon mounted those stairs, right, he walked up, he he preached from a platform that would have been up probably about where our baptismal tank is. As he mounted those stairs with the measured tread of a heavily built man, he muttered to himself on each one, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost. We may be quite sure that after 15 repetitions of his creedal affirmation, by the time he entered his pulpit, he did believe in the Holy Spirit. Let me let me tweak a, a thought here. You know, there's this idea, again, because I think hopefully you're seeing this, unbiblically, people have detached the human agency and the Holy Spirit component from leadership. They've detached those two. And so what we what we start to look at preaching as is, is preaching is preparation for the Spirit to move. Right? We're gonna preach and then the Holy Spirit's gonna move. You heard that terminology? You've been around that? I mean, I have. So it's almost like, all right, Keith, you you need to kind of get out of the way here now. All right? Because, you know, you need to get out of the way and let the Spirit do what the Spirit wants to do. All right, can I just tell you, the Spirit's been doing since we opened this Bible up and I said the first word. The Spirit of God has been doing in the church through that gift he wasn't just waiting for the human agency to get done so he could get up off the bench now and do something in people's lives that we call the move of the spirit like okay now now we're going to do the stuff that some of us have on our funky list right we're going to have words for people and we're going to pray for one another now the spirit's moving do you understand the spirit is moving through the communication of truth And he's in our hearts doing stuff. And you know this because I've sat in meetings. I've been affected by the preaching of God's word for years and years. And in some bizarre way, something going on in my life, something confusing, something I'm unwilling to address, something that I was just hardened about that my wife couldn't convince me of a few minutes ago. But then the spirit of God comes with the preaching of the word of God, and all of a sudden there's this something just broke inside of me, and I'm weeping. And I'm realizing what I've been doing and why. Why have I been resisting God? What just happened there? That was the Holy Spirit affecting our souls. So listen, there's there's the gift of the Spirit that's taking place through the gift of leadership. It's not like the gift of leadership needs to get done so then the Holy Spirit can do his thing. So without the Holy Spirit, there is no gift of leadership. It's nothing going on. It's just people influencing people. A couple of quick things before we move to some prayer time here. I don't know where. Eric, you can go ahead and come up here, buddy. Leading and directing. There's a ministry that God has given to leaders in the church to lead. And to direct. And so if I'm going to tune into receiving from the gift of leaders in my life, I'm going to be listening for stuff that sounds like leadership and direction. Be listening to that. I'm not going to just let that blast past me like jazz music that I don't know. That's not my preset. I don't listen to that station. Okay, God has leadership and direction for you that comes through the gift of leadership. God has counseling and wisdom that comes to you through the gift of leadership. Now, listen, I, don't, I could spend a lot of time on this, but I don't think we respect the gifting of the Holy Spirit when we treat the counsel that we get like it's just uh, optional maybe stuff. You know. Well, I just kind of came in to compare your ideas with mine, see where I'm going with this. Uh, thanks, man, I appreciate you meeting with me. And then, you know, my mind was made up before I came in, and my mind still made up, and you didn't win me with any of your arguments. You challenged me with some scripture. You asked me to examine some things differently. You reminded me of what consequences could be there. You even sounded like you had some hidden camera in my house and identified something during that meeting. But I'm going to still do what I'm doing, so thanks. All right. Do you understand, if, if you, if you want to find fault with the sprinkler head, that's cool, I get it. But there is something called the gift of God by the Holy Spirit functioning in that person to bring counsel and wisdom into your life. Now, I'd be the first to say, I don't want permission in your life to tell you what to do. I don't want you to give me that. I don't want you to come into my office or any of the pastor's office and say, hey, I'm trying to figure out, should I do this or should I do that? Mostly what we're going to do with you in that is we're going to show you truth. We're going to help you examine some things that may be going on in your own life, but you're going to have to pull the trigger on that. Unless what you're, one of your options is unbiblical. And then we're going to tell you that biblically you'd be wrong to do that. That's wrong. Uh, that's not an option for you. But listen, this is, this is not a warrant for if you come in and see us for counseling, you better make sure you do everything we tell you. No, no. But I do think you need to recognize that God is choosing to operate through leaders into your life to bring grace into your life. Treat the information that you're getting like that's what you're getting and watch what God does in your life. Last thing is just protection. There's protection in the body of Christ. There's protection as the gift of leader functions and stands up and warns and admonishes and teaches and points in direction and maybe points out that there's some bad theology here, some bad practice here. Uh, or, or that's a course you don't want to start down that road. And there's, there's a protection that comes into your life through the gift of leadership. Right? The shepherds were to protect the flock. When Peter was telling those shepherds, shepherd the flock of God among you, one of the things he was saying was protect them. And God has given you unique gifting and ability to offer the church protection. So we want to be able to receive from these gifts. Let me do this in, in closing this with some ministry time, because the Lord did give me a word for some folks this morning. I'm not going to try and go back through and capture that whole series. Let me, let me just focus in this morning on how is this gift operating in your life? It's one thing for God to tell pastors. Pastor the flock of God. Lead the flock of God. Protect the flock of God. Now, it's another thing. Let me put the shoe on everybody's foot and say, do you receive pastoring in your life? Or do you embrace protection? When leaders stand in your life and say, I'm extremely concerned with that course of action. I'm extremely concerned about that. I can't tell you don't do it, but I'm extremely concerned about that. Do you give any weight to that? understand that could be the grace of God coming into your life. God gave that person a wise insight into your soul and your situation that you need to give it its due biblically. Maybe directional things that are happening, things that are going on in the church that, you know, sometimes we can treat that like, well, you know, the kids are playing ball in the spring. I just don't know if we're going to be able to be a part of that. Hey, look, my kids play ball. I'm not against you playing ball. But when when the gift of leadership says something to the church, I hope you don't treat it like, well, there's a there's a school play and then there's there's little league. And we're trying to decide between those two voices. Can I can I tell you the gift of leadership's not in your little league, coach? And the gift of leadership's not in the woman directing the school play. I'm not saying you shouldn't be in either one of those. But if the Holy Spirit's directing the church into some things through the gift of leadership, please don't consider that voice right alongside Miss Fay, who's leading the school play. Because God has chosen to dispense grace into your life through leaders in your life. And when you come and you'll participate in the body of Christ, you, you should be listening for the grace of God coming into your life through those means. And not just dismissing that as, oh, that's just some dude with an opinion. Well, it is a dude with an opinion. I get that. But by God's grace and the Holy Spirit's ministry, it's more than that, isn't it? We see that in Scripture. It's more than that. Let's, let's stand up together. Lord, thank you that... This is, this is not the moment where you begin to move in our midst. Or you have, you have been moving. Or you've been moving from the moment we set our hearts towards you. Maybe getting out of bed this morning, you begin to move in our lives. Or as we gathered with your people and began to experience fellowship, your spirit was uniquely in that setting. Lord, as we came and we set our hearts before you in worship, your spirit was meeting us and drawing our hearts and giving us clarity about your value, your power, your worth. Lord, as we open your word, begin to listen for your spirit through the written word and through the preached word. Holy Spirit, you have been working in our midst. Your spirit is active among us. Lord, we want, we want grace to respond to you. Lord, we don't just want to hear things. We don't, we're not here to gather more information. We're, we're here to be affected by your presence.
1: Yes.
0: So Lord, right now, all across this auditorium, Lord, would you, would you go individual with us? Again, Lord, use our names. Use our season. Use our place in life. Use what we're experiencing. Remind us, Lord, of where our, our souls have wandered over this past week or two or month. Let your voice find its way into those places. I I want you just to try and be quiet. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a moment. I was in my office this morning praying, getting a sense of the direction for preaching the word, but, but also asking the Lord, Lord, what What impressions are there? Are there individuals here that you want to minister to? Is there prophetic words that you want to give? I just just begin to wait on God and begin to get a a sense of impression for folks here. I actually began with thoughts of young men. But I I don't want to overdo that. I just begin to get an impression that some here who are are distant and unaffected. By God. You are here, but your walk right now is distant and unaffected by God. And I feel like the Lord wants to tell you that's the condition of your soul because you don't meet God where He can be found. God is dispensing grace, and it's foreign to you because your heart doesn't embrace grace where it can be found. And God has established a place in his church, a place where the gifting of God through leaders dispenses grace, and it brings the effect that we've just talked about. And here were the areas that I thought the Lord was pointing to some's experience. Some folks are not experiencing leading and direction. You feel like the frequency has been tuned out. You just don't know what to do next. Your life is, is motionless. And leading in direction is something that God does use, the gift of leadership into your life, but you're not experiencing that. Wisdom and counsel. There's some here this morning that you are in a unique season of your life. And it just feels like you don't know what to do. You don't know how to think about this situation. And yet you're you're not availing yourself of the grace of God that's being dispersed into the church. And then the last group was folks that are in a place where where you you don't feel protected. You feel a sense of fear. You you feel life out of control. You feel vulnerable and overwhelmed. And you're not experiencing the grace of God in protection. Let me ask Tricia if you'd come up here with the word the Lord gave you. I'm, I'm praying and I'm writing these things down this morning in my office and a knock comes on the door. And it's my inclination as I'm trying to get a sense from God about the service to not answer the door, but I do answer it. <clears throat> and Trisha walks in and says, I feel like the Lord has given me a word. So I just I want you to listen carefully to this word. I want you to just receive from God and realize God, God orchestrated this morning for you to be able to receive from him. So if what I've just shared with you kind of zeroing in on you, here's another word similar to that. So my. on?
1: I had a dream. I was in the sanctuary of the church with two other people. There was a very bad storm going on outside that would not let up. Hearing the thunder and lightning, I looked up. The the ceiling of the church was a clear glass dome. I could see how violent the storm was. The sky was gray and overcast. Winds blowing and objects were colliding into each other. I kept waiting for the storm to end, but it never did. The two people, with me wanted to leave I said it is safe in here why do you want to go out there they didn't answer we proceeded to the upper level so we could climb out through the glass roof line with much fear I entered into the storm I stood up as objects were swirling and colliding all around me the rushing winds began to calm down I thought it strange that everything then began to move in slow motion I watched huge objects pass right by, but not touching me at all. As I stood in the storm, I knew I was being protected. In the dream, I believe the sanctuary of the church represented a place of safety and protection and light, and that right outside this building is a battle going on in a realm that we cannot see. Leaving the sanctuary and moving into the storm was an experience of fear and darkness. Standing in the storm, seeing objects move towards me but not touch me, was an experience of standing in God's power, covered by his protection. The experience of knowing that God was in control of the storm was one of rest and assurance in his sovereignty. I believe the Lord has impressed upon me As you feel safe and protected in me within the walls of this building, do you feel safe and protected in me stepping into the darkness onto the battlefield with me? You are my children, my witnesses, fully equipped and protected to stand firm in the storm of each battle I call you to. Do not be afraid to get close as the battle is not yours but mine. And two Chronicles twenty seventeen says, You need not fight in this battle, station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you.
0: Listen, if you're here this morning, God's trying to get your attention, that there there is a place of grace. It's got a location. And there's a means of grace that comes into your life. And so maybe if you're here this morning and, and you feel unprotected, you feel vulnerable and afraid of where your life is right now, uh, it may be that you've not been receiving grace from God through the means that God gives. And, and I don't think, I mean, listen. If all the pastors pick up and we hold service under a tent next week, don't anybody show up in this building. All right? This building is not the church. This building doesn't protect you. So when you when you hear those kinds of references, it's it's the grace of God operating, and and you know God's grace is not operating in a building; it's operating through people. And so this is a place of God's grace for you. And what I'd like to do is as Eric just closes, I, I want to invite folks that maybe you're here this morning. And that word's for you. You're in a place of just vulnerability and fear in your life right now. And, and God wants to let you receive grace. We're going to pray for folks this morning. Just to be able to receive grace from him, a sense of his nearness and protection, right? the ability of God to communicate with you in some unusual way into your heart that causes you to say, God is with me. Right? That can happen as we just lay our hands on you and the Holy Spirit begins to do that in your soul. So if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask the pastors to to be able to pray for folks. I'm going to ask others to come and pray for you. Just believe this is a setting where God will honor leadership given. That was a word I felt like the Lord had given me, and Trisha's word was just right in the same place. So maybe God's trying to get your attention this morning. So come from where you are. If you're sensing you need to receive from God this morning in those categories, and as Eric leads us, just come forward. We're going to gather around. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe the Holy Spirit. Was calling you this morning to receive from him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word and the nearness of your spirit to communicate truth to us. Lord, we want to be a people who receive deeply and richly of the gifts of your spirit in our lives. They do something for us that we needed. Lord, we need you to do these things in our lives. And so, Father, as these gather this morning, they come to find a place of protection. And safety, Lord, give us grace by the Spirit to communicate into their souls a sense of safety and protection that can only come from you. God, begin to cause their hearts to be full of faith to receive, Lord. Begin to challenge the things that have intimidated them and show yourself strong on their behalf. God, begin to awaken folks that are here this morning that have faith to pray for them and gifts by the Spirit to come and lay their hands upon them. And to believe by faith. God, I pray for the gift of faith in this place this morning. Lord, to be both stored up in those praying and received by those who are here. God, awaken your spirit's ministry in our lives now as we minister to one another. Lord, gather uniquely into this place and care for these souls. The Lord is leading you to pray for folks. Come on on up. Believe the Holy Spirit will meet you as you lay your hands on them. And God will give you a sense of how to pray
2: for them.
3: Great God of highest heaven Occupy my lowly heart Own it all and reign supreme Conquer every rebel power Let no vice or sin remain That resists your whole have loved and purchased me, make me yours forevermore. Yes, Lord. Sing that again. O great God of highest heaven, occupy my life. conquer every I was blinded by my sin Had no ears to hear your voice Did not know your love within Had no taste for heaven This is what happened Then your spirit gave me life Opened up gospel of your son, gave me endless hope and peace. Sing verse 2 again. I was blind by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know no taste for heaven's joys. Then your spirit
1: gave me life,
3: opened up your word to me. Through the God Now to live a life That's dependent on your grace Keep my heart and guard my soul From the evils that I face You are worthy to be praised With my every thought God of highest heaven, glorify your name. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed. O great God of highest heaven, glorify your O great God of highest heaven, glorify your name. Jesus Our great Savior us, the crucified Jesus, enlarge our hearts to love your Son. Grant to us the grace to walk with Him always, to make Him Grace, you shed your light, yes, you have upon our darkened eyes. Unveiling Jesus Christ, come change our hearts. Come change our hearts. Come form our ways to honor Jesus' name his glory are refrain let his love come Our great Savior Lord of Heaven Son of God Jesus Our great Savior
2: It's a simple phrase, and the Lord was saying grace place, grace place, and I guess the implication is that there is somebody here, or maybe multiple people, that you keep saying in your own heart you're going to receive God's grace elsewhere, or maybe you don't have to submit to the leadership here for the grace, but God has put a place here for grace, and this is where you need to receive it and stop resisting the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you, God, to to do what we sang, Lord, to help us now to live lives that are dependent on your grace. God, help us to be aware of where your grace is coming from, Lord, and help us to be dependent on it. Lord, we've always been dependent on your grace, but from the moment that your spirit opened our eyes and showed us light showed us truth that's been your grace lord so lord we we just ask that you would help us to continue to walk and live our lives in a manner that is dependent upon all the grace that you give us all the ways that you choose to give us grace through leadership through prophecy through healing through fellowship lord We want to be a people who love your grace, who praise you for your grace, who have your grace at the center of our lives. Only Jesus, only Jesus, Lord, build our lives on you, we ask. Lord, thank you for meeting with us this morning. Glorify your name through us this week, we ask in your name. We pray. Amen. 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 You guys, have a great day.